Hello everyone, welcome to this week's midweek podcast from Avila Presbyterian Church. You're all very welcome as we gather uh, through this time uh, to recognise the gracious and loving promises uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over these uh, last number of weeks, we have been going through, uh, uh, taking a journey in the Old Testament, recognising afresh of God's promises to us and recognising the joy it is uh, of the promises of a God who knows the start from the very end and a God who promises and is faithful in carrying out his promises. As we begin our time together now, I want to share with you these familiar words from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. As we come together through this time, we recognise again and again of the beauty of God's promises, of the joy it is uh, to follow and to seek him in all that we may do. So let us come now to your God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we may have that great awareness of who you are and what it means to trust in you. Lord, we thank you that as we take time in your word, that we may see your glory, that we may taste, Lord, of the richness of who you are. Lord, we give you thanks for opportunities just like this in our everyday lives and taking time out with you. Lord, we can recognise again and again how busy our lives have become, how much uh, our lives are Uh, have so much going on in them. And so, Lord, through this time, we long to have that space with you, to understand of your glory, to rest in you in all that we may do. Lord, you are a wonderful God, a God who has created us, who wants good things for us. Lord, we thank you that we may see this each and every time that we come into your word. Every time, Lord, uh, that we take that time, we know that we will never be disappointed. Lord, forgive us when we put you to the side in our lives when we put other things as a priority rather than you. Lord, we pray for that awareness, Lord, of you coming into our lives, taking that time um, that we may see your glory and power in all that we may do. For we truly may know a refreshing of the soul, a joy in knowing you. Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' loving name. Amen. Uh, This week, uh, we're going uh, to look at the uh, book of Exodus as we continue to journey through the Old Testament. 
But before we come to our passage and our teaching, we're going to listen to our first item of praise entitled, Show Us Christ. Till every heart confess 
Well, please uh, turn with me in your Bibles uh, to the book of Exodus for our scripture reading this evening. And we're going to read uh, from verse 16 to 38. Exodus chapter 40. And we're going to start reading from verse 16. This is the Word of God. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. And when Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the uh, frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the testimony and and placed it in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the uh, atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain, and set out the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord commanded. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lampstands before the Lord, as the Lord commanded. Moses placed the golden altar on the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle an altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. So Moses finished his work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all of their travels. And here... We end the reading of God's Word to us. Well, over the last number of weeks, 
Uh, we've been starting to journey through the Old Testament. We've uh, gone through the book of Genesis, which, as we've seen, is very much focused on people. People uh, who uh, have started family and recognizing God is working through different people and a family line. That picture in Genesis 3, uh, verse 15, of uh, the curse that comes to Satan after the humans have been banished from the Garden of Eden, talks about the woman's seed that will crush Satan. And as we finished the book of Genesis last week, we come into the book of Exodus here. And as we, you read through the book of Exodus, we actually see that it's not people here that is revealed, but it is the character of God that the people are learning about. Who is this God that they worship? Who is this God that is able to overthrow the power of Egypt? Who is the God that is able to guide them through the wilderness, through uh, the many journeys? Through the book of Exodus, we see God revealing himself to his people. And at this time, it's Israelites. We see them being taken on a journey from the slavery in Egypt to the wilderness where they are led first by God's chosen leader, Moses, but then here in this last passage by God himself. God reveals himself to his people by rescuing them from Egypt. We can see them in Exodus 15 sitting on the banks of the Red Sea after being freed from the slavery in Egypt, and they're singing praises to God who has just freed them. But straight after this, we see the same people complaining to God because they are hungry. The people see that there is a God, but they still need to understand who he is. I think I've said a little bit about this before, but back in May, and my son Alistair and I had the opportunity uh, to climb um, the Sleeve Donard in Newcastle. We took the, the bank holiday, a lovely day, uh, to travel up. And I, I don't know when the last time you done it, but it took us about five hours to do it, okay? Um, Alistair could probably be in a lot quicker without me. But the longest part was the journey up. It took us nearly three hours to get to the top. And Gillian had given me a secret batch of sweets uh, so that I could eat them all and Alistair couldn't figure out where they were. No, so that when Alistair was finding it tough, I could produce a couple of them so he could eat. And it was strange because there was always a moment when there were starting tears starting to come and he thought he couldn't continue. Then he brought out a couple of sweets and gave them, and the next couple of five minutes, it was all great again. And then tears started coming again. He knew this was happening. But you know, when we got to the top, it only took us an hour to get back down to the bottom. And I never put my hand back in my pocket again for any more sweets, because he knew the hardest part was over. He knew he was coming back down the hill. And you know, as we recognize God revealing himself to his people, we do see the pictures here of real difficult situations. Through the chapters, we see God giving his people a law on Mount Sinai, showing the Israelites that he is that holy God. 
But then as they come to see who God is, we see God giving Moses plans. These plans for a building called the tabernacle, which we've read a little bit about in this chapter. God intends to dwell with his people, and the tabernacle was the first stages of this. The plans for this tabernacle are written down twice. So we recognize that this is important, but something that is repeated like this is something that God really wants us to understand more about. It is the reality in the tabernacle that the Lord, the Holy One, the Redeemer, the ruler of the world, the sovereign God of grace and power, actually intends to come and to live among his people. And not only a reality of God dwelling with his people, but also God identifying with his people also. So while the people were living in tents, he would, uh, he would tent among theirs. While the people were on the move, he too would uh, move with them. So that whether they stopped just for the night or longer, whether they were on the march, the Lord himself was at the center of their lives. As we look closely at this passage, we see the visibility of the Lord himself coming to dwell with his people. The picture of the Ark of the Covenant coming into this building, the tent of meeting, and that uh, reminder again and again of what God has done for his people. God's anointed leader, Moses, had inspected the tabernacle, and everything had seemed to be correct. Notice that in that passage I read, the repeating phrase is, as the Lord had commanded. Closely, Moses and the rest of the people followed what the Lord commanded to do. So when Moses came and inspected the tabernacle and seen everything to be correct, the glory of the Lord then comes into this place. The last verses at the end of the Exodus give a fitting climax to the end of this action-packed story of God freeing his people. We see a place which God dwells with his people. And firstly, we see that this is where God dwells. In verses 34 and 35, the people have followed God's instruction they formed a place in which he is to dwell, and he immediately comes to dwell with his people. When I was working on the farm with my dad, uh, I remember in primary school, dad started to build this new shed, and it took several months to build. And we had to put the foundations in and to build the walls, and then to put the roof on, and inside the shed, then it was a place where the cattle came to have their calves. There were three or four pens in it. But as the winter came, it was the busiest place on the farm. It was the real center point. Every cow came through it. Um, and it was a place where if we didn't have it, nothing would have functioned properly on the farm. Here in this passage, 
We see that the tabernacle was right at the center of the community. They worked hard to build and furnish the building of the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded, following the plans given by Moses. And as they finish then, God comes to dwell with his people. He dwells at the center of the community, the place where they can come and worship him when he is there. The tabernacle was specifically a place where sinners could live in fellowship with the Holy One and He with them. It was done on the basis of atonement. As the people worshipped Him, they came knowing that they were sinful. Yet by knowing this, they were truly able to worship God sacrificially. The book that comes right after the Exodus is Leviticus. The picture here of the sacrifices that are made to be atoned to God. Leviticus is all about that thing, uh, the picture of sacrifice that is needed in order to be able to be right with God. It's always going to be a temporary plan until the promised one was to come. And we see that fulfilled and the coming of our Lord Jesus in the New Testament. The picture of God coming in flesh to live among his people. A God who dwells with his people. But also, through this passage, we see a God who guides his people also. He dwells with his people but he also comes and guides them. The picture here in the Exodus is God's people have been traveling, not knowing where they were going, but trusting in the Lord's guidance. I wonder if you've ever seen a guide dog leading a blind person. And as you watch, you see the person having to put their complete trust in the dog that is trained to guide them. And the picture here we have is of a cloud being the presence of God leading his people. I don't know when the last time was that you were driving on a cloudy night, but you always go probably a gear slower, or at least 10 miles an hour slower, because you're unsure what's ahead of you. And here, the picture here is of the people needing to trust in a God who guides them. A God who leads and guides them through what they do. This is showing the people that it was only in God's strength that they could live. That the act of putting our whole trust in God is rather than who we are, is what the Bible helps us to do. When we are meeting with God, we do it not in our own terms, but on His but lastly, as we see the Israelites trusting in a God who guides them, we also see a God being faithful to his people. It shows us a God who is stable and dependable. As we look at what the Bible shows us about our God, it gives us information in order to put our trust in him. A God who is faithful and in control, now, all these things give us confidence in our trust and what the Bible teaches is true.
we recognize that as we come before this God, He is the one who longs to dwell and to guide with us. And this picture of the tabernacle, uh, and uh, when it comes later in the Old Testament, it, it is a picture of a temple where God's glory dwells. It's uh, the picture here of a God who looks to continue to work through the generations. But here in the picture of Exodus, it is an artificial conclusion. Because here, this it was always going to be a temporary stop. It was always the amount of sacrifices that needed to be made. It was always going to be temporary. But the glory of the climax of the construction of the tabernacle, it's the climax of the story of Exodus. But as we look to our Bibles, we see a greater climax in the story of the cross. The one sacrifice that is done that does not need to be repeated. A God came to live among us. A God who we know in John chapter 1 tells us we see in grace and truth. God reveals his glory in love, holiness, beauty, and justice. Jesus is the anticipation of the clearest glimpse of the new creation. He is the one in whom through God dwells among us. The tabernacle had that missionary purpose also. Explaining its construction, God says, I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. God rescued his people that he might dwell among them. Who are the people among whom God is present, to whom God reveals his glory? They were the people whose previous act was to build an idol. They were the people who had chosen a calf over the living God. They were people who were steeped in sin. They were people like you and me. And God revealing himself to Moses is good, all well and good, but what about those who can't be like Moses? The glorious news of the Exodus is that God is present among sinners like you and me. And when we think about what this passage means for us today, people who have the Old and the New Testament, we see that God doesn't dwell in buildings made by human hands, but in every believer that truly puts their trust in Jesus. I put those words in the screen in the slide from Ephesians chapter 2, in which it tells us, in him that is Jesus, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are beginning to build together to becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. As we think about this passage, written all those years ago about a holy God who dwells with his people, 
who guides his people and who stays with his people, we too can know this God by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that those who do this are part of the building that he, in which he dwells. But it's not just among his people that God comes in glory. The tabernacle is a symbol of a recreation of the Eden, and thereby uh, it shows us the new creation. It is this space which fills God's glory. The filling of the tabernacle with the glory of God is anticipation of a promise of the day when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It will be a day when we will see Jesus face to face. We will see in full what Moses only glimpsed. We will gaze upon the Lamb who was slain, and we shall cry, Worthy. Revelation 5. Right now, today, we live in a world in which God has entered in human form. We live in a world which God walked, ate, and spoke, a world in which Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And we live in a world in which Jesus continues to be present among us through his Spirit. And as we put our trust in him, we are part of that body. We are part of that building in which God dwells. Let us come to him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we take in the story of the Exodus, as we recognize you, the God who reveals yourself uh, to, to each one of us, we give you thanks that you're the one who dwells with us, who guides and directs us, who is the faithful one that we can depend on through all that comes our way. Lord, we come before you this evening asking that we may know of your glory and power in all that we may do. We ask these things now in Jesus' loving name. Amen.
item of praise, O praise the name. As we come to the end uh, of our podcast now, we want to take some time in prayer for others. As we recognise the great need that is all around us, in our world, in our community, even in our own lives, let us take this time now to in God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognise afresh this day our need of you, that in all the pressures that we may face, in all the things, Lord, that is happening in our world, we recognise that you are that answer. You are the one who we may have real assurance and hope in through all that comes our way. And so we come this day looking to you, looking for your guidance and your hope in our lives. Lord, we lift up before you those in our world whose lives have been turned upside down, whether because of political turmoil, whether because of conflict or even natural disasters. We ask, Lord, that you, the God of all compassion, may be seen in their lives, that they may know of your protecting hand upon them, and that they may know of you as their refuge and their fortress in life. And Heavenly Father, we lift up before you individuals that we know are going through difficulties at this time, we recognise we live in a world where there are pressures all around. We pray, Lord, for those who are dealing with high cost. We are praying, Lord, for those who are frustrated about their lives. We pray, Lord, for those who uh, look, uh, who are uh, unsure about their next step in life. And we ask, Lord, that they may know of you as their heavenly shepherd, the one that guides them into pastors new, who refreshes their soul, who leads them beside still waters. Heavenly Father, help us see you in our lives and all that we may do. Lord, we lift up before you 
those who continue to deal with ill health, who are fearful, Lord, that um, as they wait for results, Lord, who are dealing with long-term medical care, and Lord, we ask that in their weakness, they may know you as their strength. They may know what it means to continue to rely on you through all that they may face in life. Lord, we pray that they may see you as their hope in life in all that they may do. And Lord, we bring ourselves before you. We look to bring our lives and all that is happening in them. Lord, we long to seek and to follow you in all that we may do. And it is in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Thank you all for listening to our podcast for this week. May you know God's blessing throughout your life. We finish together with those words of benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.